But I don't know about you in my life. I tried to walk out my salvation, and I didn't do a very good job of it until the Holy Spirit came into my life. And many times we try to have church without the Holy Spirit, but the church can't be the church without the Holy Spirit. We just can't do it. And so Jesus said there in, in John uh, 16, he said that he's sending the Holy Spirit to help us, to assist us, to equip us. And so understand that, that that's why the Holy Spirit came. And really, one of the best definitions I can give you the Holy Spirit is he's Jesus without the limitations of the flesh. So he can be everywhere at one time within us. And so go with me to the book of Romans chapter number 8. Romans chapter 8. Just hang on here with me. Our ushers will attend to what's going on. We're going to make it, all right? In the name of Jesus. Romans chapter, uh, uh, Acts chapter 8, I mean. And as you're turning there, let me just remind you, last week in Acts chapter 1, Jesus himself said, I command you to be filled with the Spirit of God. I command you. Now, that alone should, should be enough, that Jesus said, I command you. Now, how many times in the Bible are we given commands, the command of to love one another, the command to walk in forgiveness, the command to not steal, and so we don't have a problem with those things. But what about this? Why do we have an issue with this very command that it's no different than any other of the biblical commands, okay? So we got to get our, our, our religious glasses off. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said this, and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll receive power. So you're going to hear me say this several times today, but I believe each one of us, we need something from heaven to come to grip us, to grip my heart, to change my heart. Now here we are in Acts chapter 8, and let's begin in, in verse number 14. Now the, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Now they received the word of God. That's important for us to understand that because it's one thing to hear the word of God. It's another, you can know the word of God. But do you receive the word of God? Do you welcome the word of God? And so right here, they've received the word of God. They've welcomed the word of God. Keep reading verse 15. Who when they, Peter and John, had come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now there's some nuggets right in there, guys, real quick, that these guys, Peter and John, went down and, and they had heard that these people had gotten the Word of God, and it's evident that these men and women had gotten born again. But he said here, they had only been baptized in water. Now, I believe every one of us, when we get born again, there's a, a part of the Holy Spirit, a measure of the Holy Spirit that comes upon us to, to receive the Lord Jesus. How do I say that? Well, the only way you're convicted is by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that draws us. How many of you remember times in your life or when you got born again, you were sitting in a pew or a seat and something began to pull on your heart? I remember that day. That was the Holy Spirit and that was a measure of the Holy Spirit. But here he said they'd only been baptized in what? Into the name of the Lord Jesus. So it's clear these, these ladies and guys had been saved. But look what he goes on to say in verse 17. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. 
And it shows me right here, guys, there's more to the Holy Spirit than just what you have when you get born again. There's a more significant baptism of the Holy Spirit It's what he's talking about. And so right here, Scripture gives us some insight of this. I'm going to let him show this video. If you guys will go ahead and cue that up. The point is here, guys, we need the Holy Spirit. We need something to grip us. We can have the Word of God. 2 Corinthians 3, 6 says, The Word of God, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So we can be doctrinally sound. But without the Holy Spirit, guys, we're still going to lack. And this is the video of Francis Chan. If you go ahead and cut those lights first, guys. We started showing this last week. I believe this will help you a little bit here this morning. Watch. You know, when you see that, just think about what he said there. You know, many times, even right here, I, I can truly say that there's a predictability. We get a bulletin. Maybe you got one this morning, and we come walking in here, and we're going to sing a couple songs, and I'm going to teach you this polished message or not. And then we're going to take up an offering, and we're going to go home, and we're going to wipe our hands and thanks. We've done our spiritual duty for the week. But that's no sign of what happened in the book of Acts, that that wasn't the reason that, that God sent the Holy Spirit. And so today, it's, it's designed here to do something, to stir some things back up on the inside of us. Now, I want you to go over a couple pages to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and as you're turning there, every one of us in this room, we have influences in our life. And the influences we have in our life can either be positive or negative, but those influences will embed in our hearts. And a lot of times, the influences we have, that's exactly how we're going to move in life. Right around who is influences. And so I ask you this question right now, what influences have you allowed in your life today? What are you allowing today? Now, here we are in Ephesians 5. Pick up with me in verse 15. Some real strong warnings and stuff here. See then that you walk circumspectively. Not as fools, but as wise. Now, that word circumspectively there means cautiously or carefully. Now, this is a warning that, that we're going to have to walk cautiously. Why? We'll keep reading. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Making our days our opportunities account because the days are evil. Now this is a warning right here. How many of you, you know, watch the news lately and it's very apparent that we live in evil times? Once again, you know, you can think about what's been the, the main topic of our news the last three, four, five days. The, the catastrophe, the tragedy that happened in Aurora. And so the days are evil. And I do believe this, guys, just when you study Scripture, that things aren't going to get better. And the reason I say that is the devil knows his time here is limited. I don't say that to put fear in it, but I do tell us this, that this is one of the times or the reasons he says, walk cautiously. Be aware of what's going to make your days count. And then he goes on to say, Therefore, do not be unwise or live carelessly, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Make sure you understand what the master wants. 
And so you begin to see what he's talked about for three verses. But look what he jumps into next in verse uh, 18. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now when he says don't be drunk with wine, the message says that it cheapens your life. Now as I look right here in, in this verse... He's basically given me uh, two different influences. You're going to be under the influence of this or you're going to be under the influence of that. You're going to be under the influence of the world or you're going to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now it's interesting, with everything he said up to there, I believe he's telling us that the key is the Holy Spirit. For you to walk cautiously, for you to redeem the time, for you to know the will of God, I'm going to have to have the Holy Spirit come upon me and help me. Now the big question is, have you surrendered your life to his, his influence? He's come to assist us in all aspects of life. Every one of us. Now, as born again believers, there's a difference between people who profess to be Christians and people who profess to be Christians but are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And I can say that truthfully from my own life, that once I got born again, I tried to do things out of my own abilities, and I continued to fail. How many of you have ever wanted to do the right thing, but you couldn't? What I wanted to do, that's what I couldn't. Well, you look at Peter's life. Peter was around the greatest teacher ever named Jesus for three years of his life. He saw all the miracles that Jesus did, the healings, everything, but yet Peter continually, he failed. But when Jesus told Peter, you got to wait for the promise, and when Peter did, something began to happen to this guy who was born again. When the Holy Spirit came on the inside of him, same with us. But it comes from me yielding control to the Spirit of the living God. I want you to go with me to the book of Revelations chapter 3. Revelations chapter 3. And I believe this, guys. There's got to be a definite act of self-relinquishment. And I believe this is the, uh, the call, the urgency of the church right now. Back to what Jesus said. You've got to receive the Holy Spirit. You've got to receive Him. Now, in this passage here in the book of Revelations... Starting in chapter 2, we're going to begin in chapter 3, but starting in chapter 2, Jesus wrote or addressed seven different churches. You can see the different ones, the dead church, the compromising church, just over and over. And here in, in um, Revelations 3, verse 14, if you'll look, it says, the lukewarm church. The lukewarm church. Now, to a certain degree, exactly what the guy Francis Chan, that's who that was. That's a pastor who you saw in the video. He has a great book out called The Forgotten God. Incredible book on these lines. But I believe without the Holy Spirit, how we've shut him off, how we've become so predictable, that's why the church is lukewarm. Now, listen here what Jesus says here. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, I write... Now, right here, it tells us Jesus is writing to this church in Laodicea. These people would call themselves Jesus people. We've been born again. We know Jesus. 
And so he writes them and he says, these things, says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. The Amplified says, I have a record of works and what you're doing. Listen what the message says. I know you inside and out, and I find little to my liking. Now this was to a group of believers or a church. And he said there that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. I wish you were this or I wish you were that. Now think about it just for a second here. That sometimes cold is very beneficial. It's very refreshing. How many of you right now like ice water or iced tea? We like it cold. That's good at times. But then on the other side, he flips and says, I wish you were hot. Now, many times in the Bible, when you get to the word hot, it's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. How do you know that? Acts 2, 3 says, you will be uh, filled with fire. Luke, 6, or Luke 3, 16 says this, that when you get baptized, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. You know what fire represents? Hot. Intense. That's a good thing. Now think about this. Hot can do two different things. There's a thing called the refiner fire. Then when things are heated up real hot, they can come in and they can take all the, the scum off the top. And you know what's left? The pure gold. Also, heat is good that it burns up the junk or the impurities in our life. So Jesus right here says, I wish you were cold or I wish you were hot. Verse 16, so then, because you are lukewarm, now think about this. I mean, right now, as hot as it is outside, how many of you like lukewarm iced tea? I don't. And when you want something real hot in the winter, I don't like stuff lukewarm. Listen to some of the definitions of the word lukewarm. It means to be stale. It means to be stagnant. Sometimes I believe we become stale, we become stagnant spiritually. That on the inside, when you begin to feel like you're dry, this is what he's talking about. One translation describes lukewarm is you dishonor the Lord with your actions and your attitudes. One translation says that you blend in. You know what that means? That you come in here on Sunday... And you put on your Jesus face. And every one of us in this room, we understand how to speak in Christianese. We know the right things to say. But ultimately, we go back to work like Monday. So we live like Jesus on Sunday, but we live like the world. We blend in wherever we're at. If we're around the world, we act like the world. If we're around the saints, we act like the saints. And therefore, he says... You're lukewarm. Now listen, there becomes a very, very strong warning here. He goes on to say in verse 16, Because you're neither cold nor hot, I will, I will, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now once again, you know who he's talking to? He's talking to people that have professed Jesus as Lord and Savior of their life. He's talking to a church. 
Now this is hard for us to imagine, but once again it shows me here, just because you're born again does not guarantee that you're going to live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. To live under the influence of the Holy Spirit, that's a daily deal. That's daily, daily, daily. That I welcome him into my life. I welcome into my heart. So think about this. In the natural, why do you vomit? Because something that has caused you to be nauseous. And so right here, Jesus has become nauseated because of the condition of these believers. And I sit there and I begin to read that. And you know what I thought over and over and over? The key for every one of us, what's the fruit in my life? Do I serve God with a passion? Do I serve God with a, a zeal? Or do I continually do all the things that I did before I was ever born again? And so right here he addresses something now. I believe this for every one of us in here. That just because you've been filled with the Holy Spirit at one time in your life, just the one time filling doesn't mean you're going to stay full. How do you know that? Well, I could take a glass of water today. I could fill it up to the top. I could fill it up where it's overflowing. And you know what I could do? I could set it out here in the middle of this parking lot. And you know what would happen to it? It would begin to evaporate. I believe this is what happens to us spiritually at times. When we don't continually ask the Holy Spirit to fill us up, we begin to grow stagnant. We begin to grow stale. We get where we say, I'm dry. I just don't feel God anymore. Whose fault is that? It's not God's. I believe it comes to us as, as people of God. As children, that we got to go back and have some things stirred back up in us. Now look with me in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy 1, and as you're turning there, see the Holy Spirit, guys, He goes beyond surface appearances. The Holy Spirit will go right to the root of things. He goes to our very being, our very core. And you know what that means at times? He's going to convict us. He's going to convict us of sin. You know why he convicts us of sin? To help us. To burn that junk up in our lives. To get rid of it. That's why I like the, the Holy Spirit. That he comes on the inside and does this. Now, when I begin to study this passage that I am begin to read to you, it really begins to strike a, a passion in me. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Start with me in verse number 3. And the Apostle Paul, guys, is writing this. And he's, he's sitting on death row in a Roman dungeon. That's where he's at. So he's writing this letter to this young pastor named Timothy. And he says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, is that without ceasing... I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. Now, this is where it gets interesting here. He goes on to say, When I called to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. The genuine faith. Not the phony faith, not the put on faith, but the genuine faith. 
And as I read this right here, the genuine faith, that, that phrase right there is cross-referenced into 1 Peter 1.22. Listen to what this says about his genuine faith. 1 Peter 1, verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in the obeying the truth through the Spirit. In obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren. Brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. You know what ends up happening here, guys? I can see the truth of the Word of God, but he said it's all through the Spirit. You want to learn to walk in love? you got to have the Holy Spirit. You want to learn to walk in obedience? It's through the Holy Spirit. So he's telling Timothy, because of your genuine faith, it was because of the Holy Spirit. Now look what he goes on to say here. Your, your genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded it is in you also. You know what he's showing here? Jesus is telling Timothy, he said, listen, buddy, I saw the genuine faith in your grandmother, Lois. And I saw the genuine faith that was in your mother, Eunice. And I'm persuaded that it's in you also. Now, you know what I see? Right? That's a generational blessing. That he had a grandmother that served God. He had a mother that served God. But just because grandmother and mother serve God, doesn't mean I'm going to serve God. Doesn't mean I'm going to get to heaven. I don't get to heaven because of grandma's prayers. And so I believe in to a certain degree, he said, grandma lived for the Lord. Mama lived for the Lord. But what are you going to do? Now, look at verse 6. Therefore, I remind you, Timothy, and me and you, to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. Now he says to stir up the gift of God that's within you. Now right there, when he starts talking about this, he does not specify the gift. But when you look up the word gift in the Greek, the word gift is the word charisma. It specifically means that you stir up the gift of the Holy Spirit that's within you. Now this is what he's telling this young pastor named Timothy. Now listen to what the Amplified says there. Stir up, rekindle the embers, fan the flame, keep burning the inner fire. Now this is interesting. This is what really began to get me. He's talking to this pastor and you know what he's telling him? Don't let the, the, the spirit of fire, the Holy Spirit, dwindle. Don't extinguish him. And the reason that, that you need to stir that gift up is because you've let it go. You've let it become stagnant and stale. Now, I can truly say this in my own life. I know the power of the Holy Spirit. I've seen what he's done. But there's times in my life, I don't use him. I don't utilize him. There's been days and days and days that I've gone through the motion and I've tried to do everything in my life out of my own ability. Now, when I do things out of my own ability, I see my capabilities. I always fall short of what God desires of me, every time. Yet, I know the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, as I keep reading this, the Lord begins to say to me, stir up that gift within you. 
stir up the Holy Spirit on the inside. Don't let it go out. Don't let it be extinguished. And when I read this, you know what I really wonder? If in Timothy, the church he was pastoring, if it hadn't been come to the point where we are. What do you mean we are? Where we've become very predictable. Where there's nothing from heaven that grips us. See, we can hear the word of God all day long. We can be doctrinally sound. But once again, the word of God without the spirit of God, he said, brings death. The letter kills, but the spirit brings life. This began to stir me back up. And you know what I said? I said, Lord, I don't want to go through the motions. You know why I don't want to go to the motions? Because I realize every Sunday and every Wednesday that when we come together as saints, we're not playing about a meal. We're not playing for a, a football game. We're not playing for recreation. We're not playing for eternity. You know what we're playing for? For uh, anything we want. We're playing for eternity. We're playing with people's spiritual eternity. And you know what I understand? And God wants to help us. He wants to march us through life in every aspect of our lives. Here's a question for you. How many of you, when you get up to go to work tomorrow morning, will you say, Holy Spirit, will you help me? I need your help. See, I think about this many times in our lives. We just go to work, and you know what we do? We do everything through our own abilities. And God's blessed us with abilities. But remember what Jesus said in John 16? He said, if I don't go, the helper won't come. It is far better. It is advantageous for you to go. How many of you ask him to be a better daddy today? Help me, Holy Spirit, to be a good daddy. Help me to be a good husband. See, I believe we've, we've limited ourselves because we haven't taken this serious. But even so more, when I study the Bible, how many of us ever invite the Holy Spirit into study? Now look what he goes on to say in verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, timidity, but God has given us a spirit of power and love of a sound mind. You know what the spirit of power is? That's the Holy Spirit. And I believe this, when we get full of the Holy Spirit, guess what begins to happen? He will teach you how to love. He will teach you self-discipline. He will teach you the very things that you need in everyday life. But I don't believe we've called him. I don't believe we've utilized him. Actually, out of the Trinity, he's the least talked about and preached, but yet he's the only acting agent of the Trinity that's actively involved in the earth to this day. How do you know that? Once again, Jesus said that he's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. And so Jesus' exact words is, boys, girls, you got to have the helper. you got to have the helper. And so as I begin to look at this, in uh, Luke eleven thirteen, it says, How much more will the Father give the, heavenly, uh, the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? When's the last time you asked the Holy Spirit, Come in and fill me up. Tomorrow you wake up and say, Come in and fill me back up. Next week, come in and fill me back up. Now, some scriptures that have been very dear to my life. 1 Corinthians 14.4 says this, He who prays in an unknown tongue edifies himself. 
You know what the word edify means? He builds himself up. How many of you could use a little building up? The book of Jude, verse number 20, it says, Beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to clarify something there. He said, building yourself up in your most holy faith. He didn't say just praying. He said specifically praying in the Holy Spirit. You look at Ephesians 6, 18. It says specifically, we'll pray in our understanding and we'll pray in our spirit. Now, I found this out in my own life. When I pray in my understanding, I'm pretty good for a little while. My mind goes good for about 10 or 15 minutes and then I've prayed. I prayed everything that I can think of. And over and over, I pray. This is all I know. So what happens when I begin to allow the Spirit of God to pray through me? See, I think at times we've limited God because we just hadn't obeyed His Scripture. And once again, there's nothing weird about this, guys. This is what the Father and the Lord Jesus prescribed for each one of us as believers. And so when I read all this, you know what? When he told Timothy to stir it back up, I've been filled with the Holy Spirit for 30 plus years of my life. But what took place 30 years ago is not going to walk me through today. There must be a continually feel, a continual feeling. And if today you feel dry spiritually, it's because you've probably neglected that on the inside. It's because you haven't stirred it back up. And so that's why it began to get me. I realized, i got to stir myself up. i got to begin to seek the Spirit of God and say, Okay, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. I ask you to come into my life. I ask you to come in to help me. And He wants to be your helper. But He must be invited. He will not force Himself upon anybody. See, that's why in Ephesians it talks about that we can grieve or we can quench the Spirit. When, when, when I call your house, if I call David Burns every day on the phone, and every time David picked it up and I'd say, Hey, David, click. Hey, David, click. Every day, I call, he, he hangs up on me every day. You know what I'd quit doing? I'd quit calling. I'd cut him and say, You're done, buddy, no more. But see, that's exactly what we've done to the Holy Spirit. He calls. He knocks. The Bible says if anybody knocks, he'll come in. We ask. But see, we've quit asking. We've quit allowing him that he's tried to help us. But we hang up on him. We hang up on him. You know who would we'd rather talk to? Sister Bucketmouth. She has better info than the Holy Spirit. And then when Long, Brother Longtongue calls, I talked I talk to him for 30 straight minutes. And you know what Brother Longtongue's counsel is? Death. He's got so much fruit in his life. Now, don't shout me down here, okay? This is what the Lord began to deal with me. And he said, I'm going to stir you back up on the inside. I'm going to stir you back up. How many of you could use a little stirring up today? Stand up here with me. Stand up. See, my point is this.